All right, everybody, I'm Logan Alec, I'm a CPA, and this is my update for Wednesday, March 24th. I mentioned yesterday that Senator Mark Warner sent a letter to IRS Commissioner Charles Reddick, as well as Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, asking for an update on the stimulus check timeline. Well, now, four leaders of the House Committee on Ways and Means joined Warner with a letter of their own. These individuals' letter is focused on getting payments out to recipients of Social Security, SSI, Railroad Retirement Benefits, and Veterans Affairs Benefits. I think they're grouping SSDI under Social Security because SSDI is paid out of the Social Security Trust Fund. So don't be alarmed you don't see SSDI there. Uh, this letter is addressed to the IRS Commissioner as well as the SSA Commissioner Andrew Saul. Uh, these individuals wrote, We were alarmed to learn recently that most Social Security, SSI, RRB, and VA beneficiaries who are not required to file a tax return have not yet received their payments and that the IRS is unable to provide an expected timeline for these payments. Some of our our most vulnerable seniors and persons with disabilities, including veterans who served our country with honor, are unable to pay for basic necessities while they wait for their overdue, yes, they call this overdue payments. We urge the IRS and SSA to move with all deliberate speed to quickly issue these payments to Social Security and SSI beneficiaries, and we urge the IRS to work with the RRB and VA to pay those beneficiaries expeditiously as well. We ask that you update us on your timeline for these payments by Friday, March 26th. Unfortunately, I don't have any more insider information than these members of Congress do. I can't tell you how quickly the IRS will get the rest of the payments out any more than these guys can, but hopefully we will get that update by Friday, and maybe this public pressure will get the IRS to get their act together and move a little bit more quickly. I'll be looking for these updates all week, of course, so make sure to check back tomorrow and Friday in case the IRS actually updates us here. Another thing on the American Rescue Plan, the IRS issued updated guidance this week about the $10,200 unemployment compensation exclusion for tax year 2020. We know this benefit is available to people with modified adjusted gross income of less than $150,000. Previously, we thought, well, your unemployment compensation would be counted toward that $150,000, but the IRS released guidance yesterday saying that the $150,000 to determine uh, eligibility, right, for the $10,200 exclusion is calculated without including unemployment compensation. So this is actually taxpayer friendly and makes some more people eligible for that exclusion. Now let's talk about a little bit about the push for minimum wage. Yesterday I mentioned a meeting between Chuck Schumer and some Democratic senators from both wings of the party. Uh, Punchbowl News reported some of the details of that conversation this morning. Unsurprisingly, Senator Bernie Sanders came in trying to get the rest of the group uh, on board with his plan for $15 an hour. And on the other hand, moderate Senator Joe Manchin was trying to get uh, you know, Sanders and other uh, the more progressives to support a more modest increase to 11. Now, one potential solution there would be to index the minimum wage by state or by region somehow, making the minimum wage higher in places with higher cost of living. Those talks didn't go anywhere either. Another sticking point was that even if they were uh, somehow able to bridge these gaps and find something that every Democrat could, uh, could agree on and get on board with, they would still need to find a way to pass that legislation in a narrow divided Senate and they can't do it through reconciliation, they would need to get Republicans, at least 10 Republicans on board as well. So this wasn't a very encouraging step in the movement toward a higher federal minimum wage. It basically leaves us where we were before, with Democrats too far apart from each other, even within their own party, to get all 50 votes within their own caucus, let alone the 10 Republican votes they would need to overcome the legislative filibuster. As I've said before, it wouldn't surprise me if progressives eventually go along with a smaller increase just to get something rather than nothing. But at this point, there aren't really any prospects for a minimum wage increase in the short term. The Democrats just can't even agree among themselves. Now, you may be wondering, how are the Democrats going to pass anything at all if they need 10 Republican votes to get anything done in the Senate? 
And that's a very good question. Uh, even within the party, there are disagreements here. Some Democrats want to open things up for a more uh, bipartisan approach on one hand. On the other hand, others think that there's no point in working with Republicans who will only try to obstruct the Democratic agenda. And Democrats who want to get rid of the filibuster are ready to put Republicans under a pressure test, see if they're willing to come to the table and potentially show more moderate Democrats that their entire agenda is going to be blocked by the current filibuster rules. Dick Durbin, for example, told reporters, what I'm saying to those who defend the filibuster is show me that the Senate can operate with a filibuster and still do things that make us a better nation. They have to test that on the floor. And similarly, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer told Stephen Colbert, we'll put things on the floor because there are a number of my colleagues that say, let's give them a chance. There's a whole lot of things that we want to do. Angus King, who is an independent senator but caucuses with the Democrats, just like Bernie Sanders, published an op-ed in the Washington Post this morning explaining why he's open to the idea of reforming or even removing the filibuster despite defending it for most of his long career. There will be a link to that piece in the description for anyone who wants to read it. Uh, senator King opens by discussing the potential pitfalls of scrapping the filibuster. Obviously, it's great for your side when you have the majority, but if the Democrats lose even uh, one seat, then that could easily go in the other direction, right? It's kind of a double-edged sword. So one of the main arguments against the filibuster has always been that you don't want to open that uh, that can of worms, that Pandora's box. You don't want the other side to have all that power uh, if and when they get the majority back from you. Um, that was enough for King to be skeptical of these ideas for a long time, but in the op-ed he wrote, this argument is sustainable only if the extraordinary power of the 60-vote threshold is used sparingly on major issues or is used in a good-faith effort to leverage concessions rather than to simply obstruct. If, however, the minority hangs together and regularly uses the power to block any and all initiatives of the majority and their president, supporting the continuation of the rule becomes harder and harder to justify, speaking of the filibuster, regardless of the long-term consequences. King goes on to say that if Republicans continue to block the Democratic agenda without using the filibuster to reach compromises, then it becomes much more likely that Senate Democrats will feel forced to remove the filibuster in order to pass any legislation. So again, there are still barriers to this plan on the Democratic side, right? Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, they're the most obvious obstacles, but this kind of pressure could get more and more senators on board. At this point, I wouldn't say they're likely to remove the filibuster entirely, at least that's my personal uh, intuition here, but it's a lot more realistic than it was, say, four or five years ago, when he really had only a small group of, uh, you know, progressives pushing for something like that. And regardless of what you think for the long-term implications, there's no doubt that getting rid of the filibuster would open up a lot of new opportunities for Democrats in the current Senate that are simply impossible with the 50-vote threshold and will make the 2022 Senate elections even more of a bloodbath and the stakes would be that much higher. All right, folks, that's all I have for you today. I want to note that Biden will be announcing his infrastructure plan in Pittsburgh next Wednesday. That's something to keep an eye on as we start to hear more details about what's going to be included in that package. As, al as always, I want to thank everybody for watching to the end. I really do appreciate your support and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.